It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. So you guys know what that means. We are continuing on with our schedule preview series. We're talking to all the teams on the Rams schedule this year. Uh, and for this week, we have got Kyle Barber. He's the managing editor of SB Nation Baltimore Beatdown. Kyle, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, uh, dude, it's a pleasure. It was last minute. Uh, we just talked kind of off air. I went to kind of go hit up our Locked On Ravens guy, and we don't have a Locked On Ravens guy. So uh, I went to continue out in the search, and you were one of the first people that came up, and I appreciate you getting back to me. Uh, it's an exciting time. We are now football time. You just got back from camp, kind of, I guess, to kind of get this thing off and running. How are the Ravens looking out at, at training camp so far? The Ravens are looking good. Obviously, the first question is going to be about Lamar Jackson. I think he's progressing pretty well. Uh, his first couple days, you know, we're in day six of camp now. And day one, day two, he looked a little bit shaky. And I think that's just because everybody's trying to build chemistry. And, you know, you just grip the football a little bit too tight or you throw it a little bit too hard. And you're trying to make the plays right out the gate. And he's settled down a little bit more. And things are starting to get smoothed out. They're looking good. And the same with the defense. I mean, we're going to get to it at some point, I assume. But the Ravens' secondary is, looks like one of the best in the NFL right now. And and players are starting to get a little bit more comfortable. A couple interceptions have been made over the last two practices, which didn't happen in the first three or four. So it's going to be an exciting time. It's certainly an exciting time for Ravens fans, especially with Marquise Hollywood Brown entering his first NFL practice today. Yeah, it was exciting to kind of see him come off. Uh, I don't know, was it the the pup list or, or they kind of had him on the side for a little bit and it was kind of interesting to see when he was going to kind of participate. Got the clear go, which is exciting because you're pretty thin at the wide receiver wide receiver position. Uh, the, you kind of opened it up with talking about Lamar Jackson looking to take that step. Uh, who's he going to be throwing to and how is that going to help him take that step easier? Initial target, and it feels like a very obvious one for Ravens fans. It might not be for the rest of the fans around the NFL, but Mark Andrews is going to be his target this season. Yes, there's Marquise, and Willie Sneed is a returning player with him. Miles Boykin already looks very good for a wide receiver on the Ravens roster. Most didn't expect him to look this good coming out of the gate, but he's he's surprised a lot of people, including Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith, with a couple of deep routes. But Mark Andrews looks at times unguardable. Some have compared him to Zach Ertz, some to Travis Kelsey. I'm trying not to be the super excited fan or, or you know, reporter or whatever, but he looks very impressive. I posted a couple videos of him in one-on-one drills during the uh, – the individual drills for the Ravens and he's going up against Tony Jefferson and he's beat him twice in coverage. And it was, and he's done the same thing during scrimmages against the starting defense. So he is going to be the main target for Lamar Jackson in 2019 and beyond. 
Mark Andrews, all those fantasy guys out there, listen up because a young quarterback, some of their best friends are a tight end uh, to get some of those comparisons that you made, uh, some high expectations for him. But that is the guy that you kind of need as a rookie quarterback, someone that you can dump the ball to, uh, maybe not have to stretch it too far down the field. You got that guy as well that you drafted. So uh, adding some weapons for him is definitely going to help and some reliable targets is going to be a big thing for him. What is the next step for Lamar Jackson? Obviously had a big breakout year in the second half of the year, but a lot done with his legs. What do you have to see through the air to start to realize that he is, you know, a true quarterback and that he's not just going to be labeled a runner. Some, uh, one of my staff writers said it best that the further away the Ravens get from last year, the worse Lamar Jackson is getting rated. People forget that they still had a chance to win that football game against the Chargers. He won many football games. And yes, mo- most of it was through the rushing attack of he, running back Gus Edwards, and Kenneth Dixon as this three-headed monster trio. But I think just he's he's talented through the air. I have seen him make all of the throws that you would ask of any NFL quarterback from the nine routes, the short slants, timing routes. He can hit all of them. It's about him doing it consistently, throw after throw, practice after practice, game after game, season after season. It's about stacking those together and making him a consistent threat through the air and also being capable of using his legs in unison with his throwing ability. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, this is a guy that got limited amount of reps last year coming in late in the season. And like you said, they did wonders last year. Uh, But he needs that time to develop, to kind of grow into that quarterback role. The more snaps, the more, you know, chances he gets, especially as being the guy now that he doesn't have to, you know, worry about Joe Flacco, which I don't know if he ever really worried about Joe Flacco. I don't know how many people were ever really worried about Joe Flacco. But um, when he took that over, uh, he definitely showed that he can fit in this league. So he'll be one, I mean, one of the most exciting quarterbacks to watch this coming season and, you know, definitely have some highlight reels coming our way while watching him. Uh, looking at the rest of the offense, we talked a little bit about the wide receivers, but uh, we saw Mark Ingram get signed. You guys did a great job in the offseason adding pieces. Uh, for a while, it seems like you've kind of had this running back by committee type deal going there, and now you've got the guy, Mark Ingram. What are the expectations for him coming in being the guy, and you know who do you have back there to compliment him uh, in the running game? Mark Ingram is, by his own right, a very talented NFL running back. He's capable of grinding out yards. He's also capable of hitting the outside and taking it the distance. His pass-catching ability is on par with some of the best hands in the running back league. And he's he knows how to run routes. And he's also good for pass blocking in instances where there's a blitz coming. And he knows how to pick them up. And he's smart enough and savvy enough to make the blocks when Lamar needs somebody to to save him from that oncoming cornerback blitz or safety blitz, what have you. As, as for the other players on the roster, it includes Kenneth Dixon, who's done really well in a limited capacity, but he suffered multiple injuries throughout his NFL career. He looks healthy. This is the first time he's been healthy coming into the season in a few, in a few years now, and I expect him to do pretty good things. Uh, he hasn't been utilized as often as he still looks and appears to be behind Gus Edwards, who was the undrafted free agent last year that just ended up crushing yards with Lamar Jackson as as that little duo kind of operated. There's also Justice Hill, who was a rookie this year. He was drafted, and and 
he's looking very fast. He's a it, the Eric DaCosta has built a track team around Lamar Jackson, and Justice Hill is clearly a part of that unit. He's an incredibly fast player. In today's practice, he looked very sharp. He made a great jump cut going off of the left guard and took it 15 yards before anybody in the secondary could beat him. He certainly got past all the linebackers, and he just had two safeties to beat, which is a tall task, of course, but he's able to get to the outside, and it's looking really impressive right now. Well, that's all good signs for that offense who uh, in past years really has been known as a defensive team. So to have a lot of these exciting young players and adding some key veterans along the way uh, could make for a really interesting division as you look at that from top to bottom. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the third segment as well. But what we'll do right now is we're going to step aside. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thursday edition Lockdown Rams right after this. All right, before we kick it over to our next segment, I want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors and your favorite sponsor on the show as well, or it should be at least, guys. Listen up. This is BlueChew.com. Now, we all think we're kings of the bedroom and we don't need any help. Well, you may be wrong, okay? This isn't just for guys who can't perform or get it up. This is for you guys to improve your sexual experience in the bedroom. Look out for the ladies, my man. Don't take it personal. Try BlueChew.com. And guess what? Because they are friends of the show, they've got a special deal just for Lockdown listeners. All you have to do is go to BlueChew.com. That's right. B-L-U-E, Chew.com, and get your first shipment for free. All you have to do is pay like the $5 shipping. Remember, this is the same active ingredients as Cialis and Viagra, so you know they work. You don't have to have a prescription for it, so no doctor visits, no awkwardly waiting at the pharmacy. Mr. Motter, your motor pills are ready. No, none of that. This stuff is delivered straight to your home, discreet package, quick, easy. All you have to do is go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code locked on to get it for free. And remember, it's a chewable, so it works up to twice as fast as the other brands. It's easy. It is ready for you when you are ready. That's one of the best parts about this. So again, BlueChew.com, promo code locked on. BlueChew is better, cheaper, and the faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be right back with our second segment, Locked On Rams, right after this. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. 
second segment, we've got Kyle Barber from the Baltimore Beatdown with us, and we're talking all things Ravens right now. We kind of hit the offense on the first segment, so I want to flip the script and talk a little bit more about this defense and expectations. Uh, Obviously, Eric Weddle no longer there out here in Los Angeles. We'll talk about that a little bit, but you replaced him with Earl Thomas, a pretty good fill-in at the safety position. Uh, Talk to me about how that transition went with Weddle leaving and bringing in Thomas and kind of the, the thought of that back end of that defense. Eric Weddle was a big role model and leader for the Baltimore Ravens. I spoke with Marlon Humphrey today at the post-practice presser, and he talked about, and I asked him what his goals were for the 2019 season, said if he had anything wrote down. And he said he has a quote from Eric Weddle wrote on his mirror. He also has a quote from Terrell Suggs wrote on his mirror. He has his own numerical goals that he wrote. And of course, the Pro Bowl is what he said. So Eric Weddle has made a lasting impression on some of these young kids here in Baltimore. Aside from that, though, switching over to Earl Thomas, you know, once once Eric left and they signed Earl Thomas, it was a very big jump for playmaking. I felt like Eric Weddle was falling off at the end of the 2018 season. His tackling ability looked a little bit uh, sluggish at times, the same with his speed and th- his angles of attack just you know, he, I don't think he was fully accustomed to uh, slowing down a little bit. You know, he used to make plays by being able to sprint directly to the football. And now he's kind of got to give him an extra yard as he takes different angles of attack. So it always looked like he was falling off just a little bit. And now Earl Thomas, and we all know what he's capable of. I assume Rams fans certainly know what that man is capable of. And Lamar Jackson learned it firsthand today. He threw a pass over the middle to Willie Sneed, and Earl jumped the route, picked the football, and took it 65 yards for the touchdown. Humphrey said at the practice presser, the post-practice presser, excuse me, that he thought it was a wide receiver who caught that ball at first because he was moving so fast. And Earl's looked great. They're looking a little bit more comfortable. They're starting to build that chemistry that is so vital and integral to any defense, especially one that is, you know, with a team and a franchise that's so known for defensive production like the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and us out here uh, in the NFC West are, it couldn't have really worked out better for us. We upgraded our safety position, got Eric Weddle, and Earl Thomas was left out of the NFC West. He he was not happy. Obviously, we all saw (laughs) him getting carted off in the middle finger, uh, to which now we understand was to Pete Carroll. I think there was some confusion on, was it to the organization? Was it to the player? And it was really directed at Pete Carroll. He kind of finally talked about that. Uh, he's been one of those players, and I can't speak for everybody, but for me watching football, he's just been a fun player to watch. I, I teased, uh, we have some Seahawk friends that we do some podcasts with, and uh, we did a bet last year for who was going to have the most interceptions. It was Marcus Peters, uh, and I cannot remember who they picked on their team, but it wasn't Earl Thomas, and that's who ended up leading the team in interceptions, and he was injured almost the whole year. And I was kind of teasing that, you know, he was that good and now gone. So a uh, great pickup for you guys. Yep. And and really, it's almost, I don't want to say inter- interchangeable at that position, but you're talking about a key veteran that um, just is replacing another guy. So leadership-wise, that position doesn't really uh, have too much affected on you guys. And it should be another staple in the Baltimore defense that we're used to seeing back there. Someone kind of ball hawking and laying the hammer in that secondary. Uh, but looking at the rest of this defense, uh, some questions at linebacker and on the D line, how are those things shaking out? And, you know, what's the biggest maybe camp battle on the defense side of the ball coming into this? For linebacker, the Baltimore Ravens lost CJ Mosley, signed a mega deal with the New York Jets. 
And the Ravens then switched and put Patrick Owasu, who is also known as Peanut. He's now playing the Mike position where he was playing beside Mosley last year. So now he's linebacker number one on the inside. Many expected and projected Kenny Young to take over as the second inside linebacker, but instead it's undrafted free agent Chris Board. I watched him today in practice, and he actually jumped through on a on an A-gap blitz and found backup quarterback Trace McSorley 15 yards in the backfield for what would have been a sack if full contact on your own team was a thing in training camp. Obviously, it's not for good measure. But as for the best battle, I think it is the, the inside linebacker position on, on the defensive side. As for the D-line, uh, it still looks like the same familiar faces. Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, and Willie Henry have the top spots locked down. Patrick Ricard is still seeing reps both on the defensive line and fullback. To those that didn't know, he has jumped back and forth on both spots. He's capable of catching passes out of the backfield, too. It's pretty unique to watch a guy that big start sprinting around and and putting up the stiff arm against a, a fellow teammate when he sees him on the other side of the field, Peanut Owasu. Been, it's been very unique to watch. Uh, a, a camp battle as well has been Gerald Willis, who's an undrafted free agent. Many expected him to be a draft pick coming out of uh, Miami, but it didn't happen, and now he's trying to fight for a roster spot with uh, fellow rookie Dalen Mack. There's also Chris Warmly, Zach Sealer, who was Ozzie Newsom's last draft pick last year before the reins were handed over to new general manager Eric DeCosta. Man, you got to love a nickname Peanut. Just reminds me of Peanut Tillman from the Bears. So I would hope that he would get maybe the Peanut Punch going again. That was the the go-to move for uh, Peanut Tillman. And it was always what really made him a legendary player. So big, big nicknamed uh, shoes to fill there. But I love it. Um, as you're looking at this, we kind of just, you, you mentioned a couple guys, a couple rookies, young guys coming out the last couple years of the draft as well. Um, looking back to this last year's draft, how did you feel about how the Ravens did? Were you were you happy with the way they filled the roster through there? Or could you have seen a different direction that you, you thought they might have gone? Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, there was a clear changing of the guard when Eric DaCosta became the new general manager. And he started building teams for the new offense is what it looks like. Obviously, I'm not here to talk bad about Ozzie Newsome. He helped lead this team to two Lombardi titles. He drafted Ray Lewis. He drafted Jonathan Ogden, Terrell Suggs. I mean, I could go down the list the entire time. Ed Reed, obviously, who's going into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Uh, but with the change to Eric DeCosta, you can definitely tell there's a, a little bit more of an analytical approach. He's drafting faster players. He's going off a little bit more of a of the you know the speed of the the current NFL. He got Marquise Brown with his first ever pick. He then went and drafted Miles Boykin, who's a fast and large wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Justice Hill is the speedster that I mentioned earlier at running back. Uh, he, he they also picked up Trace McSorley with with a unique pick, but he fits the scheme that the Baltimore Ravens are operating with uh, Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin the third. So it's been a, a solid transition, and it looks like the Ravens are, are really trying to prep themselves for a new era of football. A new era of football for sure. I mean, we, I've talked just recently with uh, people with the Chicago Bears, and even out here in Los Angeles, we're looking at these young GMs kind of taking this a different approach. The draft is, 
you know, more about value and not so much about getting 20 picks. It's about getting the four that are right for you and uh, finding those fast guys, those guys that love football and that fit into the organization with what the coach is trying to do. I think that's the biggest thing that Les Need has done out here in Los Angeles is really figured out what McVay uh, and Wade Phillips want in their offensive defense and finding to, a way to go get those guys. So um, could be a fun turnaround and I don't really want to say turnaround because you guys really haven't had like a big fall off, but bringing you guys back to a playoff pushing team, uh, this could be the year with the quarterback of Lamar Jackson. If he can take that next step uh, as far as a true quarterback throwing the football down the field, which sounds like you have a pretty good uh, feel or confidence that he will be able to do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We'll take a break. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to start to take a look at outlook of the 2019 season. What is ahead? What's in store? And how this thing might shake down. We'll be right back with Kyle Barber, Bear Motter, Lockdown Rams, Thursday, right after this. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fantasy Football with your Locked on Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back third and final segment. We are breaking down the Baltimore Ravens. We're looking at their offense, their defense, and now we are into the regular season, kind of looking at this schedule. You guys have a, a bye week, week eight, so it's kind of that middle of the road bye week, but you've got some tough games on the road this year. Uh, you play at Kansas City, you're at Seattle, you're at Los Angeles. Um, you start away at Miami, you come home to Arizona, uh, but those first eight games, when you're looking at the schedule, uh, what's your expectations coming out of that as far as maybe a schedule, um, you know, where you see yourself record-wise, and what's going to be kind of the toughest challenges in that first eight, eight games? First, I do want to point out the Ravens' schedule is incredibly unique. They are home and then away following each and every game. So they week one at home. Week two away, week three at home, week four. Oh, it's it's incredibly unique. I don't see any much things like that. I haven't seen a schedule like that, at least not in the Ravens' history. So the first two games, I'm fairly confident the Baltimore Ravens are going to go and and end up two and zero. Oh. They go, you know, and play the Dolphins in Miami. Miami's not looking good right now. Uh, I believe it's Fitzpatrick who's winning the quarterback battle, and then they go and play Arizona, which they're going to be excited about because well, Arizona's coming to them and Terrell Suggs is going to come back home after signing a contract with the Cardinals as he, you know, is in the twilight of his career. But both those teams, I don't think the Ravens are necessarily worried about 
any given Sunday and all of that, but those teams are still progressing into, you know, their rebuilding, I guess we could say. Uh, Kansas City is obviously a nightmare to right. play, and and they've had an entire year to watch uh, the replay of Tyreek Hill catching a, a deep pass that was uh, a no-look pass from Patrick Mahomes was the one against the Ravens, so that's been nothing but posted a billion times by NFL accounts. Uh, the Browns are a little bit worrisome. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that they look unstoppable and poised for a Super Bowl run. I think those are a little bit premature. I'd like to see them win a playoff game or get to the playoffs before I'm crowning them champions and handing them a Lombardi. The Steelers are always tough. Bengals are always tough, even in their current state, losing AJ Green. And anytime you go to Seattle, especially from East Coast to West, it's a really uphill battle. I think they could definitely finish, you know, five and three. They could do so much as six and two if they if they can break it down right. But that's going to be a tall task and a tall order because, like you said, there's a lot of tough teams on there. And anytime you play a division rival, it's a tightly contested contest, and you just you're not going to be able to win them all. I think five and three, maybe six and two, but things could break bad, and they could go four and four or even worse. Yeah, it is crazy, and and I'm glad you pointed out that schedule, the home away, home away, because I've uh, been talking to tons of teams uh, doing this schedule preview and and looking at each schedule has its own unique, like the Bears are playing three Thursday night football games. Like that is just like, that blows my wow. mind. Like to think I that. I didn't they, even know about that. Yeah. 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 And uh, one is, one's to open the season. Uh, then they've got the Thanksgiving day game and they play the Thursday following that. So they're set up. Okay, not terribly. I mean, it could be spread out, but still three Thursday games. And then you're looking at this schedule of, you know, never having really that flow or that rhythm of a couple home games in a row, uh, whether that's for the fan base or even for the team, just getting home, resting, be with the family. Uh, you're constantly coming and going. That's always a little bit of a challenge. You talk about a couple of the big uh, West Coast trips. You go to Seattle, you come out to Los Angeles, uh, two, big, two big games as well. Obviously, the one against Los Angeles is on Monday night. Uh, Eric Weddle, of course, is going to be jacked up for that. But as you look at the second half, you come out of the bye with New England. I guess, you know, coming out of a bye, you always feel refreshed and ready to go. So throw one of the best at you. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the Rams, as we mentioned, Buffalo, the, the Jets. You've got the AFC North still to deal with, which I think the AFC North for me is the most interesting division in football right now with, you know, question marks of how good – uh, you guys can be how good the Bengals can be as far as under a new offense that's kind of tailored off of the Sean McVay offense. And then just the Steelers being the Steelers and then, uh, you know, throw in the Browns with all the addition there. There's so many intriguing storylines there. So as you come into the second half, um, how do you see the season finishing out for you guys? And does it involve a playoff berth? It's going to be close. Coming off a of bye week and then facing the Patriots is really a- a great help, especially at home and in prime time. The Ravens can get as much rest as possible and then face a, a formidable foe. Uh, following that is, uh, the, as you mentioned, the Bengals. I like to think the Ravens can can sweep them this year. It's going to be tough, obviously. And so long as A.J. Green is out, the Ravens have a greater chance of coming away 2-0 against the Bengals. Texans tough, Rams are tough, and yeah, like you said, there, there's some tough teams on there. I think it's going to fall around 9-7, and 10-6 and six possibly, but things could go wrong. Lamar could 
could, you know, not take the next step as many are expecting, including myself. And they could find themselves on the outside looking in as the Pittsburgh Steelers or Cleveland Browns take the division. Yeah, I mean, I think like all NFL teams, health, a little bit of a luck along the way, the ball to bounce your way. Uh, some of those big plays can really change a ball game. But for you guys, it's really can Lamar Jackson stay healthy uh, because they've put all the chips in on him. Who's the who's the backup there for you guys right now? Is, hear, is it Trace McSorley? Is that what you said? It's Robert Griffin the third. He's currently not practicing right now though because he has a small fracture in his throwing thumb. He it landed on Tim Williams' helmet during their stadium practice on Saturday. He should be back by week one, is what the Ravens have said, and. That's what I'm expecting as well. They cert- they just signed Joe Callahan yesterday to be a backup quarterback, and Trace McSorley is also on the team right now. That's right. The the thumb injury, the helmet slap uh, on the follow through. Gosh, that's just like watching that. It's one of those like if you see someone stub their toe or so, it's like ah, you're ah, the thumb like mm-hmm. it just a mm-hmm. finger to the helmet. That's no fun. But um, yeah, hopefully you guys get him back for a little bit of you know insurance policy there, especially as how much. Uh, Lamar is probably looking to run. Uh, we see how that can really change in an instant. But health for that in the quarterback position, uh, a much better offense from what it looks like coming into this um, really will help with some of those questions on defense. But uh, I'll leave you with this. I've been asking everybody. This is kind of a fill-in-the-blank question. You could answer it with a win-loss. You could answer it with you know any type of outcome that you see, uh, player or as a team. And here it goes. If the Rays... If the Ravens season ends with blank, it was a disappointment. Ooh. Dang, that's a really that's a really good question. I like that one. I, I gotta start using that when I send it off to others. <laughs> I love that. Great job, Bear. There you go. Now I appreciate if it. The Ravens season ends with blank, it'll be a disappointment. Um if the Ravens season ends under five hundred, it'll be a disappointment. I think that's I think that's where I'd go. I don't think the Ravens want to see under 500. Eight and eight's understandable. There's some health injury, you know, issues maybe, or Lamar Jackson doesn't quite take that next step, and they're going to try and build on it during his junior year. But I think I think under 500 would be a disappointment. I like it. Uh, when I talked to the Steelers guy, he told me uh, if we end up behind the Browns, it would be a disappointment. So uh-huh. uh, that kind of, in a weird way that you're, it's almost the same answer for you. Cause if you're under 500 uh, that may be where you're under as well. So uh, you're looking for a winning season and a shot to make the playoffs because like you said last year, I mean, you guys were, I mean, that comeback against the chargers and, and making that game super interesting uh, was a bunch of fun to watch. Actually, my girlfriend's a chargers fan and I was watching that game with her and I was just really looking for a good game. This thing was getting interesting. And she's like, are you really rooting against me right now? And I was like, well, kind of like this is getting good. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a, you know, a big, you know, sigh let out after I think it was a fumble, wasn't it? Like a sack fumble that ended the game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that was a rough one. But to get some experience in your quarterback in the playoffs in his first year taking over the team, I think those are the big steps. I mean, we've kind of talked out here in L.A. about you know, getting to the Super Bowl and having a young coach, young quarterback, really a young core of a team, be able to reach that game and have those experiences to really build off of, not to collapse and and crumble off of and never get back there, but to kind of look back and say, hey, you know, learn from them. And hopefully when you're in those scenarios next time, you're a little bit more comfortable in those. uh, And we'll see maybe that offense pick up from the first quarter because they were down in a hole early in that game. But uh, 
Kyle, man, I appreciate it so much, guys. You can also find him. Where can we find your uh, your content at and you on Twitter? All right. You can follow us on Twitter at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber or the actual Baltimore Beatdown Twitter account, which is at B More Beatdown. Please go to our website, baltimorebeatdown.com. I got some great content. I have a full array of staff writers that do from film content to reporting to interviews. Uh, we also have our own podcast. Definitely try and check us out when you're not listening to Locked On Rams. It is the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. Thank you very much for having me on, Bear. It's been a blast talking football with you. Yeah, man, it's exciting. It's back. We're just around the corner, and uh, I'll definitely be hitting you up later in the season as we get closer to this matchup, and we can talk a little bit more football, see where we're at, see if some of these predictions came true. And uh, best of luck. Stay healthy, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. You too. All right. With that being said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.